0: Hi, I'm Crystal Keating, and you're listening to the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast. Today, we're starting at square one and learning what it takes to start a disability ministry in your church. No two ministries are the same, but how do we create communities that are able to embrace everyone as a fully functioning member of Christ's body, regardless of their ability?
1: People are people, that's and everybody has a place in the church family. When you get to know somebody, you can help them to be a part of the family. If you never take the time to get to know them, that's not going to happen.
0: Today, we're talking through ways you can engage volunteers in your church and equip them to love and serve people impacted by disability. You can share this podcast with a leader at your church and download the eight steps to starting a disability ministry online at johnnyandfriends.org. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. We've got a new episode coming out every single week, so don't miss out. Subscribe on your favorite app today. Today, we're talking about recruiting and coaching volunteers for disability ministry. I'm here with two of my very favorite people. We have Brett Welshmer, my boss hey, in the Crystal. response department. Hey, <laughs> And we have Lauren Garner from the Texas office. Hey, Crystal. So glad you guys are with us. I know you well. Brett, I know you really well. But would you introduce yourself, talk a little bit about how you got involved with disability ministry?
1: Well, what really caught my heart about families affected by disability is the isolation, Mm -hmm. for parents Mm -hmm. i didn't realize parents couldn't go to church Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that siblings were stressed out about their brother or sister being well cared for at church Mm -hmm. and when i recognized that my heart was how do i let these parents go to church enjoy worship and not have to think about their child with a disability that's what grabbed my heart
2: amen wow You know, mine was a little different. I didn't come from a background of special education or therapy. Uh, I just got asked one time to come volunteer with some students that had disabilities, and I just agreed. And then I went and I fell in love with their normal and their family's normal and how different it was from the rest of the world and the things that they had to consider that I'd never considered. So it was like the scales fell from my my Texas just came out. Y'all heard it. I saw it. I heard it. (laughs) (laughs) This. Scales fell from my eyes, and now I just can't unknow what I know. And so, for me, it was it was a life shift. It was for a me. God moment. He it grabbed was a God you. moment. He's funny that way. Yes, he is. He likes me. He's kind of relentless after my heart. So Always. these kinds of families have have allowed me to see that in a in a much more vivid way. So it's been really fun.
0: So both of you have worked with churches who've made the decision that every person who comes through their doors will be welcomed and included. And so, I know you've encountered churches that are receiving people with children and adults with disabilities. So, let's talk a little bit about how do you gather and train volunteers to meet these people's unique needs? Yeah, I think that's a great question. My favorite
2: thing to do is when I get a chance to sit with a new church uh, is to say, okay, tell me who you currently have in your church. Because it does me no good, does them no good, if I am just giving them big picture ideas of what it could look like, but that's not who is there. Like a church may say, I don't have $10,000 for a sensory room. Well, do you have anybody that's got sensory needs? And if their answer is no, then we don't even need to talk through that. Um, So, the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to talk through who's currently there. What right. families do you have? Can you identify it? And what needs do they have? Yeah. So once we identify that is have you had a conversation with those families? Have you asked them what their goals are for church? Is it man, we just want to physically show up. That's our biggest goal right now. We just want everybody to get here. Great, then that's what we need to do is make sure that we give them a safe place and that somebody's there to welcome them in.
1: Um, And because that church has already made that decision, the leadership is already saying, as families come with disabilities, we want to meet their needs. So when that question is asked, it's easy to express, okay, we've made this decision as a church. Mm -hmm. This is what we're looking for right now. We need somebody to hang out with Jimmy During the children's ministry on Sunday.
2: Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that's when we talk through the families and they can give us they're our best resource, right? So we don't have to make up what we think Jimmy may may hope for or may need or may work for him or may not work for him, but they're they're our best resource. So that's a fun place to start. Then it takes kind of the pressure off. Would would you agree with that?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. everybody knows what's needed for this family to be successful, and people want to meet people's needs. Yeah. So when you that make a true. need clear, mm-hmm. then someone's going to say, "I can do that."
0: Right. Right. Well, and that requires a lot of communication. And so, are you saying that you're working with the families first? or you're working with the leadership, how does a church start?
2: I think as a ministry, the very first thing we have to do as a ministry, and we and this is including our special needs ministry volunteers as well as the leadership of the church, to say, what is our why? Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. Because our how we do it and what we do, that is going to shift, right? Because different families will come in, different needs of kids will come. But if we don't know our why, we're going to have a really tough time being consistent um, and still having passion with it. So... I like the way Brett has talked recently with us that it's not about a disability ministry, but it's about a church who serves those with disabilities and comes alongside them and fully engages and allow them to use their gifts to serve. That's the big picture of the kingdom anyway. Right. Right.
1: Absolutely. Yes.
0: And so, what is the why? How do you motivate people to take part in a ministry, to take part in the lives of people with disabilities when... So many of us have fears, we know it's difficult, it may require more than we expected. What do you tell them?
2: So I have a really neat church that's in South Texas, very small church, 100-something years old. Ministry started because a dad came in with his little boy and said, my son's got Tourette's, would you mind if he came in? And this particular little boy, he had mm-hmm. some ticks, so his body would flinch pretty aggressively and so for somebody that's not familiar with that, especially a child in you know youth mm-hmm. uh, if that's not something they've seen, it would to them seem what's wrong what's right. wrong with him or what is is he coming after me yeah. so this dad came in asked, "Can you take my son and that sweet Minister said, absolutely, I don't know a single thing about this, but he is more than welcome to come and we'll do our best to take care of him today. And she introduced herself to him, asked him his name, and so from there they started a relationship where it was a safe place for him to come and he was known by name, right? So then dad was able to go and have a place that he could worship, he could get fully engaged, and it just so happened one day this young man was just having a tough day and a lot of verbal outbursts, a lot of physical outbursts, and the sweet minister of children said... You know what, Lauren, I'm almost embarrassed to tell you this, but I asked him in front of everybody, do you just want to pray for the group? And no, sooner did I stop that question to him, his body calmed Mm. and his outburst calmed and he closed his eyes and bowed his head and he remembered every young man at that table Mm. and his prayer request. Mm. And she said, Lauren, I just wept because who was I to assume he didn't have a gift? Mm. Who am I? to not trust that the God of, that has done all of this could equip him to do something that the rest of those young men needed. And so, it started mm. out as somebody just being willing to Absolutely. say, I don't know anything about this, but I will show love.
1: Lauren, I love that story. And what it really reminds us is that people are people, Absolutely. and everybody has a place in in the church family. And it's yes. helping them find that place. I think the biggest thing we can do to help people enjoy and eagerly enter into serving families affected by disability is to remember people are people. When you get mm-hmm. to know somebody, you can help them to be a part of the family. If you never take the time to get to know them, that's not going to happen. Right. And volunteers need to know that, and when they know that, they can relax.
0: And that takes the fear out of it. And as you're recruiting volunteers, I think that's a great way to dispel some of that tension. Lauren, you've really recruited volunteers throughout your ministry, Mm -hmm. that's something that you're passionate about. I mean, I think you're so good at recognizing somebody's gifts. How do you teach that to a church? You know, the thing that I love about recruiting
2: volunteers is that I think the old mindset is let's put it in the bulletin and just ask for somebody to come volunteer. Yeah, like fill a gap. Right. But this ministry isn't that kind of ministry, if right. if I could be so bold to say so. We need people that are more specifically gifted. Mm-hmm. And not everybody's going to want to come in and sit, you know, be a buddy. Uh, that may be overwhelming for them. So what I like to do and what I like to teach my churches how to be very strategic in the way that they recruit is, here's the kind of characteristics that we need for a volunteer. Hmm. So I need somebody, if you really want to make the time of teaching about Jesus that is adapted from their curriculum that they're going that's through, good. let's think of somebody, do you have a school in the area that's got some students that are... Uh, you know, education in the college, um, that they need to work on curriculum writing. They may not necessarily need to go into the classroom, but they love and their passion is to help write curriculum and adjust that, right? So that's somebody that you can utilize their gift, help grow their gift, and then that's taking... The freedom for a volunteer just to be a volunteer, like Brett said, people are people, and they just need to do that instead of being like, okay, I've got my buddy hat on, I've got my volunteer coordinator hat on, I've got my curriculum hat on. We just want to make sure, let's be specific. So So you're
0: identifying people's strengths and saying, this is the way, walk in it, and you're going to
2: flourish. Absolutely. We We want them to feel like, man, I'm contributing. I'm using Absolutely. the giftedness that I have from God, and I'm getting to do something bigger than me. Wow, this is really cool. Right. So another example would be if I recognize that every time I see Brett come in to church, he is acknowledging you and saying, Hey, Crystal, I know it was your grandmother's 94th birthday last week. How did that go? And then he comes over to me and says, Did you get a chance to see your nephews and niece last weekend? He's high relation. And I want to utilize that gift and say, hey, you know what? We've got some families that really need to be loved on. We need to make sure they get a weekly call, make sure they're getting plugged into community. So I would want to say that. So I would approach Brett and say, Brett, here's the thing that I recognize. I've got a gap in my ministry. I would love if you would come in and serve using your gift to love these families. Could you pray through that?
1: Because when we like what we do in ministry and we're good at what we do in ministry, then we want to be involved. And it's helping people find that place, the thing that they enjoy and the thing that they're really good at. But I think also that disability within a church community Makes the church more vibrant. Yes. And when they see people loving people that are different than them, it's almost contagious. Absolutely. And it's like people step up, like they, they, they see what other people are doing. And they start inquiring and they start wondering, what is this about? And all of a sudden they ask to come. The church that I'm involved in, I don't even understand this. So we do a monthly training, and we have between five and eighteen new volunteers. Every single month. And we hardly advertise because it's contagious. It changes the life of your church.
0: You know, I think that's such a beautiful thought. And I think that was God's intention. Let's show the world who we are, even within the church. And they're going to be attracted to what we're doing. And I think maybe some churches would say, well, that's great. But we have people in our church that are already serving. Our church is completely overextended. How do you get past that barrier where they say we do want to be welcoming, but we're maxed out?
2: <laughs> I've never met a church that wasn't maxed out for volunteers. It's just the life of ministry, right? Or am I crazy? Is that just in Texas? <laughs> no, okay. Um, I think when you look at it, you have to know. Help jump in with me, Brett. If I if I say this wrong, but I feel like you got to know what kind of volunteer you need. Mm-hmm. Do you just need a special events volunteer? Mm-hmm. So somebody that's going to show up to. You know, a a respite night or a buddy break or a parent's night out or a prom or whatever that activity.
1: Lots of avenues. Do you want to do Sunday morning? Do you want to do a once a month respite? Do you want to do a special event? They might. They may be the party people. Absolutely. So when it comes to the Valentine's (laughs) dance, they're (laughs) Mm -hmm. all about it. Mm Totally. But there's the other person. You know what? I want to serve on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I will be there at nine o'clock. Every other Sunday morning. Yeah. Those are two completely different people and opening that avenue and giving them permission to serve in the way that suits them and then they get caught. Yep and they hooked. Get, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's how I felt. Yeah. When I went to my first buddy ministry on Saturday, I just thought, I am hooked. This is what I want to do. It's exciting. I get one-on-one time with a child. I get to pray for them while we're playing with Play-Doh or whatever it is. And Seeing everybody get so enthused, I can see why you look on that and say, I want to do that too. I may not know anything about people with disabilities, but I love kids. And your wife is gifted so administratively, and she organizes everything. I would not want to do that job. And it's
1: the but truth because she, she, she does it. what the other people don't want to That's do. That's right. Some of it. I want to hang out with kids, and she's like, <laughs> nah. "I'm not getting close to the kids." <laughs> the but I'm going to put all the folders together for you. This what takes a lot of different kinds of volunteers, right? That's and great. one is not more important.
2: They're all what is the body of Christ? Doesn't doesn't? And, and there's some place in the book it talks about something that. something of those something parts in there. All yeah, and one is necessary, right. and I can't be the hand and the hand the foot,
0: but all go together. That's, That's right. right. It's the
2: beautiful part. It's
0: funny how it all goes back to that. Well, let's talk about the importance of providing training to your volunteers. You have the people, they're excited, they're enthusiastic. Can you share some of the most impactful training pieces that you've seen in your own ministries? Yeah. I think my very favorite thing to
2: do, especially with somebody brand new who has never, ever done any kind of disability ministry or been around anybody with disabilities, is to do simulations. Let me give you an example. So, if we do something to mimic autism or sensory processing disorder Mm -hmm. that may look like i would have you crystal come sit on a chair with rocks on it Hmm. and then i may put a piece of sandpaper in the back of your your t-shirt and then i may have somebody come and put a feather around your face and tickle your ear and then i may have somebody with clappers in your ear making noise and then i may have somebody else reading you trivia questions and requiring you to give me a quick answer and i'm already overwhelmed right like you're stressed (laughs) out so what we do is we we Give people opportunities to feel what that overwhelming feeling may feel like. And then we help explain what that felt like to you. So what that may look like to a Sunday school teacher mm. is why is this child disruptive? Right. Why is this child disobedient? Yeah. Why will they not sit still in their chair? Mm-hmm. They're not doing the, the songs. They're not doing their activity. Mm-hmm. When the truth of the matter is, oh my gosh, I cannot process the life that is around me right now. I, I can't do this song. Mm-hmm. I can't do this activity. So we like to give the opportunities for people to go through, what does that feel like? And then how would you communicate to them? So we want to make sure we help them understand it, but then we also want to give them tools to say, how would you engage
1: Right. So when you have a child that's sitting in the worship with the elementary kids and they're putting their hands over their ears or they're yelling, they're Mm. communicating, I can't handle this level of sound. So then what does your volunteer do? Hey, Jimmy, would you like some headphones? Mm -hmm. This child may be... Non-verbal, when you invite them to have headphones, they're going to give you that nonverbal that, yes, they want them. They put they the understand. headphones on, and then they can do all the dance moves with the worship and enjoy it because all of a sudden that thing that was so annoying them goes away. So a lot of the training is helping them to consider these different kinds of scenarios. You now, transitions can be really hard for kids. Mm-hmm. So if you realize that this one particular boy, when you come in from the playground— He's gonna take off running. In his mind, coming off the playground, you realize, means that he's gonna get to see his mom soon. Mm-hmm. So you need to warn him. You know, we're gonna leave the playground now, give warnings. We give lots of warnings. We're gonna leave mm-hmm. the playgrounds now, but we're gonna go upstairs and we're gonna do our craft.
0: You're always telling them the next and thing. And then
1: mom's gonna come. That's so that's good. those are the kinds of things. We equip them with as many much understanding, as many tools as possible so they know how to learn from that child's communication.
0: Yeah. Lauren and Brett, you both have done extensive training, but Lauren, can you talk a little bit about how you've managed one-on-one training as well as group training with churches?
2: I think the thing that we have to remember is I'm not going to be able to explain every scenario for every kid that's ever going to come through the ministry, right? So we have to look and say, here's the the baseline of some of the things that you're going to see some right. of the kids that you have. Here's what their behaviors look like mom and dad have said these are some of their triggers these are some of the things that calm them down perfect example I've got a young adult he just transitioned from the tweeners class like the high school age and now he's in the young adults Sunday school but for him the phrase it's okay will shut down his life Hmm. it it, I don't know what it is but he will end up on the floor in the corner and we have a tough time Hmm. if you say it's all right he's totally good he can handle whatever instruction it is or or affirmation of the, the behavior uh, that he's going through. But it's just knowing those little things. But again, that all goes back to communicating with the caregiver. Everything goes back
1: to that. And the non-negotiable is if your child runs out of the room, go after them every <laughs> single time. Every time, <laughs> yeah. Another thing that really helps uh, volunteers that maybe really want to do it, but they're concerned about that scenario that's going to come up. The what if. The what if is to invite them into the classroom just to shadow that's another buddy. Or invite them in just to observe. Come in yeah. for 30 minutes. Check us out. Mm-hmm. And what I find, they're in there for 30 minutes and all of a sudden they're on the floor with oh, a yeah. child doing this, doing that, and they're out again. <laughs> that's right.
0: Because it's so fun. Absolutely. It is fun. So fun. What about structure? How do churches do this? What are some of the positions that are needed? Can you talk a little bit about? I that, can, Lauren? and this is where I nerd out. So you guys
2: keep me keep nerd me honest here. <laughs> Geek out. You know, I think Brett and I have talked about this a lot. And one of the things we look at there's really three tiers that we like to make sure that we've incorporated with ministry. So we've got to start. Who's our leadership level, and who's communicating with the other leadership in the church? Mm-hmm. That person has got to be identified. The rest of the volunteers have to know who that person is because if we're doing too much, too many different voices, too many different explanations, it just gets hard. Yeah, And this ministry is already hard. So if we can mm-hmm. take some of that, we just want to make sure we have that go-to person. And then the next level of person really is going to handle the the logistics of the day. Mm. And they're going to connect with, with our volunteers. So who's going to be the buddy? Who's going to make sure that they're in the classroom if we need to have a floater? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I love to have, and it's not required, but I think that it's really smart, is have an on-call person that's maybe not... Required to be a buddy that weekend. That's not the main teacher in the classroom. That's not a floater. But they could be to class within. They're sitting 10 in minutes. the
1: service, and you can text right. them, and they'll come in. They've said, "Hey, mayday, when mayday. you need the me, pinch come on in."
2: Yeah, yeah, they're going to step up because you're going to have a family that heard about the amazing ministry right. because they were at you know physical therapy or at the pediatrician, and the parent was talking about, "Oh my gosh, we have this incredible community." That they love on our kids so well, and they come back and they talk mm-hmm. about Jesus in the car ride home. You always want to have margin, right? Yep. So we mm-hmm. want to make sure that we've got somebody Good. on call, so to speak, that we can say, "Hey, can you be here in ten minutes?" I've got a new family, mm-hmm. so we want to do that. And then the last piece is we want to make sure that we have somebody that is just solely focused on our families. Mm-hmm. So this is that care piece. Whether they're it's doing a text life message, together, absolutely. Or do we send a text message? Do we send an email? Is it a Facebook message? Some kind of a touch throughout the week yeah. to make sure they're connected. Do you guys have a life group? Are you involved in the men's ministry, women's ministry? We've got something for your kids. Just trying to make sure that they're really getting plugged in. Mm
1: -hmm. And you notice each one of those positions uses different spiritual gifts. So, it embraces different types of volunteers. Mm -hmm. So, we have something for everyone when we're serving families affected by disability.
2: Right. Truth be told, when people say, hey, do you want to come to disability ministry? my experience, maybe this again is just Texas, but people aren't run into that no that side of the building. But if you say, here's what I see in the gift that right. you have, right. that makes it way easier to have Absolutely. somebody come in and serve. And then like you said earlier, Brett turns into I get to use the gift that I have. I'm a part of this. I am really making a difference and I want to continue to come back.
0: Well and what's the bigger picture of this? We're talking about volunteers, we're talking about recruiting, but what's the end game? It's that people hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's that people experience the love of Christ. Right. And I think that's so motivating for so many of us that say, I want to make an impact for the kingdom of God. I want each child to be free to hear about the Lord. Well, Brett and Lauren, I always love talking to you guys about whatever, but you <laughs> live out my heartbeat for people with disabilities. If you want to say one last thing just to send home the point of the importance of volunteers what would you say?
1: People are people and everybody needs to be loved and embraced and unconditionally accepted and serving families affected by disability give you that opportunity as a volunteer.
2: Amen. I think of it as it's not scary you just have to be willing you don't have to have a background in it and it's funny how the Lord makes a way. He does.
0: God is good like that. If you're looking for resources to equip your church to better love and serve people affected by disability, you can download the eight steps to starting a disability ministry on our website, johnnyandfriends.org podcast. This one page handout gives a helpful framework for beginning a ministry that captures the heart of Christ for people with disabilities. And if you'd like to connect with someone like Brett or Lauren, send an email to churchengagement at johnnyandfriends.org. Whether you're wondering where to even begin or struggling to keep up with your ministry's growth, Johnny and Friends is here to help. Our email is simply churchengagement at johnnyandfriends.org. We would love to hear from you. I think almost everyone, even the most outgoing among us, feels some level of apprehension going to an unfamiliar place. But there's nothing like a familiar friend to make a strange place seem like home. Next week, we're talking about the impact a buddy ministry could have on your church community. So be sure to subscribe, and I'll see you next time on the Johnny and Friends Ministry Podcast.